Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am your host, Teresa Moore. There are many facets of our mind-body-spirit connection. In this episode, we explore the many benefits of practicing yoga. Our guest is Jackie Wing. Jackie is a yoga instructor and the owner of the Elevate Yoga Studio in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I encourage you to learn more about Elevate Yoga and sign up for in-person or online classes at elevateyogallc.com and Elevate Yoga LLC on Instagram and Facebook. In this episode, Jackie explains how she got started with yoga and the story behind how she opened her own yoga studio, as well as the classes she offers. We discuss the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of developing a yoga practice, as well as the yoga lifestyle, both on and off the mat. Jackie teaches us how yoga is connected to our mindfulness practice, the beauty of making yoga our own personal practice, as well as what it means to soften, to soften in yoga and in life. Jackie teaches us about setting an intention on the mat and in our personal life, the eight limbs of a yogic lifestyle, and offers tips and inspiration to start a yoga practice. We discuss how Jackie came up with the name Elevate Yoga for her studio and how she ties yoga into living a holistic lifestyle. Here is my conversation with Jackie Wing. Thank you for joining us today at Conversations to Inspire. I am with Jackie Wing, owner of Elevate Yoga Studio in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in yoga? Sure. Um, I actually didn't start doing yoga until I was in my mid-20s. So when I see kids introduced to it in school right now, it makes me really happy. It was really a physical practice for me when I first started. I was into running and everything I did was very yang energy, (laughs) kickboxing, running, lifting. You know, what could I do that was anything other than sitting at a desk, which was my life outside of my activities. So that was your professional life, having Mm -hmm. having the desk and the cubicle? Mm -hmm. Okay which I will get to, we had access to, you know, great gym. So I was in the gym all the time from a work perspective. It was a excellent perk and there was yoga offered. And I thought that I've heard that's a really good compliment to running. So I'm just going to give it a shot. And I went to my first class and I was like, Hmm, interesting. <laughs> didn't I mean, love it. Nope, didn't hate it. No, nope, didn't love it. And I walked out, you know, kind of looking over my shoulder, thinking, and these people all know what they're doing. And you know, it seems like they come back. They all seem like regulars. And I wasn't sure how I felt. And the next day I thought, oh, I feel pretty good. I should give it another chance. So I just started dabbling in it a little bit. And I think I had the same impression that a lot of people have when it comes to, you know, general population understanding of what yoga is and everybody believes it to be stretching. And I get a lot of phone calls. Uh, My chiropractor told me to stretch. My doctor told me to stretch, you know, where can I start? You know, my background started me there in the physical practice and I started to realize how much other benefit I found in other places in my life. And it just drew me in. And it wasn't anything that anybody could really tell me. 
it was things that I over time just started to experience. So Mm -hmm. my professional background prior to that was accounting and I was in accounting. Yeah, that's quite the leap. Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was in accounting for 13 or 14 years before opening Elevate. So it was heavy in my background uh, of a lot of sitting, a lot of still hours of the day. So I was always looking for just a little bit more in my, whether it was my mornings or my evenings or my weekends. So, you know, that is including the running and then kind of growing into just movement, movement for my body. And that grew into, you know, finding all of the other benefits that show up as a yoga practitioner. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I want to dive into that a lot more because that's mm-hmm. part of my practice. I wouldn't even call mine a practice. Mine is like, a, hey, let's do yoga mm-hmm. once a week, mm-hmm. once, once every other week. Yep. I love it, but I haven't gotten consistent enough to get to that point of experiencing the other benefits of it besides the physical. Yep. So yep. Maybe you can encourage me mm-hmm. to get into the practice yep. more. Yes. Yeah, you're the perfect candidate for that. <laughs> you're right in that sweet spot that we can start talking about what you know, what more and how, how it can help, what it can look like. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go into more of your training and, or, or even how you got, cause you had to make the leap sure. from student to teacher. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, starting to practice quite a bit more and, um, again, still, you know, I was kind of working my way through my MBA and, looking for my next job opportunity and my next career move. And I knew in my personal life that I needed something outside of my professional life that I wasn't defined by just that role. Mm, yes. And I didn't want to just be, you know, an accountant. Who are you? What do you do? Yep. I don't want that to have to be my only answer. Yes. I love that because mm-hmm. it's such a container we try to put people in when we, we ask do. those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do. And I've tried since that time in my life, since realizing I didn't want to be defined that as just that, I'm really careful to ask that question as one of the first things or one of the introductory things into meeting somebody. Um, I'm not quite as good at it as I wish I was, but... No, I agree we'll because I, I try, or even in my, my my kids, sometimes they'll say, instead of what do you do, what, what are you passionate about? What drives yes. you? And I love that. It's yes. so much more insightful into the person as a person. Mm-hmm. And so just what you just do on your nine to five. Right. Right. I've tried a lot, you know, I play around with how you ask it and what you ask. And I played with the, you know, what do you do for fun? Yes. Um, or what excites you? Yes. What makes you happy? Yes. And people are are so surprised when you ask that. They're shocked that you're not asking what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. And it can be, you can still answer with that if it does excite you and make you happy. (laughs) (laughs) But that isn't the thing that I want you to tell me about you. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that about you already. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, as a student, was starting to think about how I would love to, I wanted to be a teacher when I was little. It didn't come to fruition in that way, but of course, here I am. And I started to think about taking my practice as a student into being an instructor. I was looking at programs, and then luckily for me, um, Yoga on the Lake and Kohler came out with their first training program, and it was the right time for me 
and it was the right time in my life for sure, but the right time in my practice too. I had been practicing for years and felt like I was ready for that step, at least to go through the program. Not entirely sure what it was going to look like after that, because adding that on to an already, you know, full and busy life on top of a career. Had you already completed your MBA by that point? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. I had just finished my MBA, actually. I had finished um, late summer, summer, late summer, and was then kind of moving myself toward, all of a sudden you have this time to fill. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you finished school, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. woo, I know. time. I had made it, so, you know, I made the time for school at some point, so I knew I had a little bit of wiggle room in my schedule. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, timing was just Perfect. excellent. Yeah, it kind of fell into place, right time, right place. Yeah. Mm. So as soon as I got done with the program, then I started teaching. I had a class a week, which was just enough for a new instructor. So I started teaching once a week and started teaching Monday nights. And I truly have not ever given up that Monday night time slot since mm. then. So I like that. Mm -hmm. Part of your mm -hmm. life routine. Mm -hmm. It is. And so I just kind of, you know, from there, I grew into other formats of teaching, but it was at that point, good for me to just take it slow and have time to still be a student as well. Because I think that happens to a lot of people when they get into instructing that, you know, that's the part of yoga that takes over for them and they forget about being a student. Mm -hmm. So it was good to continue that part of my journey and take it slow. So and you were teaching at the same time as you were still taking classes and being the student mm -hmm. in the studio. Oh, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah. you're still working full time on your mm -hmm. accountant mm -hmm. job. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was a good, you know, a good long introduction mm -hmm. into taking it on. And I realized how much I loved it and I wanted more of it. However, there's not room to turn teaching into a full-time role. So it was good for me to have that period of time to just build my teaching style and kind of come into my own as an instructor, because that doesn't happen, you know, that doesn't happen for anything, for anybody out of that first kind of initial churn you out of a program and then you know your identity. Metamorphosis. Yes. Of changing from a student to a mm -hmm. teacher, but then like, like you said, coming mm -hmm. into your own mm -hmm. and finding your own space and your own balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still working on it. Always working on it. <laughs> Which is also great. Kudos to you for that. Because otherwise I feel like once you set into a routine and you forget mm -hmm. that part, that's mm -hmm. when you lose your, not your edge, because that's not why you're mm -hmm. doing this, but that's when you lose your, maybe your openness. Yes. Mm -hmm. To different energies or to different people. Mm -hmm. When did you make the leap and actually um, start or purchase your own studio? Mm -hmm. So during COVID, summer-ish of 2020, I was really feeling itchy to get out of the job I was in. And I was looking for new positions and I was willing to drive an hour. I was looking an hour away and, you know, the I people really close to me say, why do you think that's the thing that's going to make you happy? is going to do the same thing you're doing. I had tried, I had really worked toward my career 
I had, you know, put in education, additional education, additional time, and I was working to find that thing that made me feel whole and full and fulfilled. And so I would be in a job for a little while and you get that high of something new, but it was the newness that felt really good. And then I would realize that doing what I was doing was making me feel a little empty. And then that would just linger until I found something else. And I would take the new job and it would give me that spike, that little adrenaline rush of something new. And, you know, I'd feel inspired, inspired to meet people and learn the organization and learn the industry. And then I realized I was still doing this thing that wasn't filling me up. I felt when I was in the studio, I felt at home. I felt comfortable. I felt like it was the safest place I had found for me. And I wanted to offer that to people. I wanted that feeling, but was I wasn't this, totally sure how to get there. And was this your feeling that you felt when you were teaching or when you were in a class? Both. Like, both. Okay. And, you know, a little different mm-hmm. on each end of it, but both. And I wanted to offer that to people. And I wanted to provide a space for students to come and feel what I felt Mm-hmm. in that role on either side. Yes. And what is the one way that you can give people that opportunity as a teacher and provide them the space to be a student and it's to open a studio. So that summer I started working with a career coach and she said to me, what's something you want to do? What is what is just take all the walls down? What is something that you want to do outside of what you're doing? And she said, I've known you for 45 minutes, and I'm shocked that you're in accounting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because you have that that bean counter stereotype, and yeah, you do totally not fit it. I agree with her. She said, you know, so what is something else you want to do? And I told her I wanted to be a National Geographic photographer. And she was like, oh, that's interesting do you have a photography background? And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) No, I take pictures of things on my iPhone. And she said, okay, so how about something else? Is there anything else that really inspires you, that puts a fire underneath you, you know, that gives you that, that intrigue to move forward? And I said, yeah, I've always thought about opening my own yoga studio. And she was like, okay, tell me a little bit more. I said, I've been an instructor for years and I would love the opportunity for that to be what I do. And she said, okay, so talk to me about barriers. What's holding you back? And I said, always time. It was always, where would I find the time to start doing this? And she said, Jackie, you have so much time right now. It's COVID, right? 2020. Yes. yes. Perfect. She said, what else? You know, I said, fear. Mm -hmm. Always fear. Fear. Limiting yourself for Mm -hmm. no reason. Mm -hmm. The unknown. The unknown. Mm -hmm. And she said, so what's the worst that could happen if you started writing a business plan? What's the worst that could happen there? And we talked about the balance of what I've seen in my professional career up to this point, what I have done, I've been in multiple different organizations that have drastically different cultures 
What is a culture I want to feel to, you know, what does that look like? What does that feel like for people? Also, what is the financial health of a business look like on paper? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've at least had some understanding. Now it wasn't in small business, but you can scale what I've seen on income statements and such that help you understand, you know, how do you, how do you keep the financial health on top of the cultural health? And then how do you continue to offer the thing that brings you life? Mm-hmm. And so I could kind of start to piece those things together. And that's cool that you had the business experience and then you have your own practice of loving yoga and now the education behind mm-hmm. you to or behind you to teach. So you have like all those three factors together. Now you just have to take that leap of faith mm-hmm. and then put it into opening your own studio. And mm-hmm. I love it that you even went to a coach mm-hmm. just to seek, I don't know, maybe to seek that um, encouragement or something, yeah. that little nudge of like, yes. go, go do yes, something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I think sometimes you put blinders up to yourself, to your own. Oh, we all do. Your own capability, your mm-hmm. own ability. Absolutely. And to have somebody else say, What's, what's holding you back? Why and not? you have to say it out loud instead of saying it in your head. So often you can, when you have to use a full sentence to answer the question, it's... It almost puts know, it, frames it in a different perspective, doesn't it? It does. Yes. It does. So it was a, a great conversation. She and I did talk a few more times that summer, but she got to the point where she was like, you don't need me. Go do what you're going to do. Awesome. You don't need me anymore. And finding, going to people who have done it before is something that I think sometimes we're too proud to do. And you don't always want to hear what everybody else has to say. But I think it's so important. I am so happy when somebody says to me, can I ask you, and they they have, you know, you've done this already. Why are we not doing that more often? Finding mentors and even mentoring. Yes. 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 So true. And also just watching others succeed by giving them maybe one of the seeds that you had to plant yourself. We can give them a propagated plant mm-hmm. to start. Why does it always have to be everything planted by that you know, and do the hard work and invent the wheel over again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I even did that with this podcast. My best friend, Rebecca Dale, plug for her, mm-hmm. on her podcast, Conversation Mill, inspired me to finally take that leap of faith and mm-hmm. do this. And her podcast is about small businesses and keeping things local and organic and community-based. And I love that idea. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I finally have the courage to do this on my own mm-hmm. and mentor, You know, have, have her be my mentor, and then to take that leap of faith. So I love it that you, hopefully now you can do that in turn too with other people Mm -hmm. that want to start a business or something that they can reach out to you and Mm -hmm. say, hey, you did this. Can you just help me out? Just give Mm -hmm. me even props to to get started. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Good for you. And it's not an easy process, as you know. It's not an easy process at all. However, when you have, you know, a wealth of strong, supportive resources at your back, why would we not all want to see each other succeed? Absolutely. And providing some of those pieces, yeah. maybe then you get some response back on the growth that they find mm-hmm. and 
you know, how do we help each other, whether it's in your community or not, but watching other businesses in your community is only beneficial. Absolutely. To your own. Absolutely. To the rest of us. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible supportive group of other business owners as well. I'm so so happy to bet you've had such a great positive experience with that. Yes. That's fantastic. Yeah. And encourage other people to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you, did you buy the building? Did I you end rent up? the building? Okay, I rent the building. I started looking at spaces, and I was—I thought I knew where I wanted to be, but the thing that I was sure of is I wanted it to be, you know, in a centrally located spot that my community walked past, biked past, said go one block down and check out Elevate Yoga. It, you know, I wanted it to be somewhere that made sense. Yes. I wanted to see people show up on their bike. I wanted, you know, it to be a, you run into your neighbor and you didn't even know you were going to both be there at the same time. So, so I started virtual in March of 21. And then we opened in the physical space in May of 21. We do still continue virtual classes. It has been really great. And when people were sick, when people had kids homesick, it was such a great outlet. It isn't my preferred way of practicing. I don't think it's majority of people's preferred way of practicing. Correct. But what an excellent opportunity to dedicate to class. It's fantastic because that way it offers the convenience of still being able to maintain your practice mm-hmm. and not have to be physically present. Mm-hmm. Tell me what some of the classes that you're offering online because that way some of our listeners, if they want to plug in, they can do so. Absolutely. Yes. We have uh, our morning classes. So all of our 6 a.m. classes are virtual, which is so helpful for you know the working person or working parent. And then uh, lunch classes are also virtual, which has been a really great turnout for those. And it's nice because that way also people can, um, like if they're working remotely, they can still just completely plug in and not have an interruption over their day, but still Mm -hmm. be able to get their work day done Mm -hmm. and their yoga practice Mm -hmm. fit in. And we also offer on Thursdays at 1030, we have a gentle class that's offered virtually. And then we have uh, Sunday evening Every other week, it's restorative or yoga nidra, and that one's offered virtually as well, which is really great. It's 5.45 on Sunday evenings. So if you're already at home and cozied up, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just go in the other room. Uh, So those are our current virtual offering. What is yoga nidra? Yoga nidra is a really deep guided meditation. So there is nothing needed for that. You don't even need a yoga mat. You could do it from bed, from the couch. It's no movement. So it's total meditation. And I guide the class. It's about 45 minutes. And it tries to break down the layers from physical to mental to energetic to spiritual to kind of get you out of your body and out of your head and then maybe let the energy channels circulate from that physical sense more into the mental, spiritual, energetic side. So you can feel the layers kind of blend together in that almost sleeping meditative state. That is fascinating. I did not even know that that was an option. Mm-hmm. I'm, so, I'm curious because well, the whole podcast is about the body, mind, spirit connection. Mm-hmm. 
How does that blend the spiritual and the, the you know, like the mental, emotional part of yoga? And that's another thing, too. I think we had talked about that a little bit before, where my practice is still so young and so mm-hmm. casual yep. that I, some, I've heard of some people almost having like breakdowns or breakthroughs, I should say, through yes. yoga. And I have not experienced any of that yet. But how does that, not only that class, but that aspect in general tie into yoga? I would love to learn more about that. So one thing with modern yoga, it's very postural based. It's very physical based. Modern plus westernized. We focus a lot on the asana limb of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, the asanas or the poses, the postures. We spend a lot of time focusing on that. A warrior two, a downward facing dog. That piece of the puzzle. Our physical body then is able to make a shape that is accessible to ourselves, which as you and I talked about after class last week, that you know it looks different for everyone, feels different for everyone. There's going to be offerings and opportunities, but overall, as a guide, we're all working toward a shape. And there's an intention behind it for the physical body. We are looking for that strength, length, that feeling of connection. By connecting to the physical shape, by starting to find some awareness of our bodies, everybody's going to have a wide range of connection to their physical body, understanding what healthy feels like versus non. You start to recognize things within. Sometimes it is just a physical ailment or a physical ability or inability, but sometimes it's also just where we hold our tension. And we're able to recognize that and start working toward releasing. And as soon as you're able to release some of that physical tension within the body, then it just gives a little more room for that mental energy to find its way through. It might be sitting in that same tense place in the body. So we look to blend the two of those things. As soon as things start to feel... And you can attribute that to anything. When you have a headache, everything feels louder and more annoying and more stressful. And as it starts to ease, whether you've decided to take a nap, get some sleep, drink more water, do some stretching, your patience changes, your vision, you know, whether it's that kind of third eye vision inward looking vision or outward looking vision changes. So you feel that Mm -hmm. we've all lighter and feel exactly. We've all felt that, you know, your level of tension in relation to the physical body plays out very often in our energetic body. Mm -hmm. When you're focused on all of the things to build these physical shapes, to move your body, it's difficult to also be thinking about something outside of the room. And I think the more you practice, the more you realize what there is to focus on inside. But that doesn't always play out for everybody and everyone isn't going to have that same experience. And it doesn't have to be that you practice more. But I think as you start to practice more, you start to refine the physical practice you start to understand the body 
And all that does is open up opportunity to start understanding the energetic, the spiritual, the mental a little bit more. And even from a yoga nidra perspective, when you're not moving, you've taken away some of that brain function on focusing on what you're doing with your hands or where you feel tension because we've tried to release it. So the focus can just make its way in another layer. And when we've gotten through, maybe we've started to pass by the mental layer of thoughts, feelings, emotions, we can move into the energetic layer and the spiritual layer. So it allows you over time to get past the shell. I'm imagining it to be one of those one of those dolls that oh, those like um, <laughs> Russian Russian nesting dolls. dolls? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, we've all right, we've taken one off. We don't know. There's a lot going on underneath there, but we'll move on to the next one. You know, that's really, I think, where those, a lot of those, let's call them breakthroughs for people happen, is allowing yourself to show up, to show up and to be there and to work on the practice. And it's okay that it comes through the physical. It's okay that it starts in a physical practice. And there's a reason it's a limb of the entire yogic lifestyle. It's okay that, you know, it's there. It's there for a lot of people for a long time. Sometimes I think it doesn't change. Sometimes it stays physical for people. And that's okay too. That's a great part of, you know, the all of the offerings, all of the ways to build it into your lifestyle. I just see this brightness about you as you talk about all this. I love how passionate and now passionate in a great way, how inspiring you are and how inspired you are. Right. Thank it's you. really, really cool. It's very empowering. Good, good. It still feels that way for me, uh, which has been really exciting. I had a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I did have conversations as I was working toward opening Elevate that said, are you sure that you want to take this thing that you love so much uh, and turn, and it, into, turn it into your business yes. and make it your career? And knock on wood, I still love it. Awesome. So yeah, it feels fantastic. I get, I get to take myself out of teacher mode and student mode and put myself back in business mode for a little while, which just fires a different part of my brain and gives me a break. And then I'm blended right back in when I'm going through emails or when I'm working on, you know, the, the business side, the marketing, the finance, and I get an email that sneaks its way in there that says, I just wanted to let you know that Sunday night's class was incredible. Uh, and I'm reminded of, you know, the, the soft side too, and why I'm still doing what I'm doing and why I teach as much as I still do. And I don't focus only solely on the business because I am continuing to grow as an instructor and to show up as a student. So I am it's a constant balance in trying to find all of those pieces and put them all together. You make it seem so easy and so beautiful. Oh, thank you. And your energy is just so contagious with thank your love you. of yoga. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned the yogic lifestyle, what does that look like? It's really all the other pieces outside of the physical. And what are the things that we learn about ourselves might be while we're doing the physical practice, but it also might be while we're doing a meditative practice. And how do you take the things that you learn in the studio or that you learn from other yogis or that you learn from 
what you aspire to be as a student and play that into the rest of your life. And it's simply asking, in my opinion, asking questions on a regular basis of why and you know why are those the choices that I'm making why does this uh, how can this apply uh, if you're in a if you're in a class and you're always looking for the strongest pose you want to have the best shape you want to only go to the fastest moving classes maybe just asking yourself why what intimidates you from the slower moving classes what intimidates you from the meditation side how do we learn about all of the different things all of the different facets of yoga maybe it's ayurveda and it's learning how do you how do you nourish the body with the seasons with nature how do you follow the the body type and the energy that you are as a human and how do you feed that where do you flourish so just asking yourself the question of you know how do i continue to find this union for myself in a physical practice in a lifestyle off the mat and you know, in a, how I treat myself, how I treat others, almost, um, you know, a 10 commandments of, of living and the little pieces that come along with, that's more of the eight limbs of yoga and the, the pieces that come along with that feeling like you're offering yourself the healthiest form of lifestyle choice. And you support others through those as well. That is awesome. And that encompasses so much, just even finding mm -hmm. peace and stillness mm -hmm. and just living from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Living from a place of love is a, it's hard to, it's hard to screw up when you're living from, you know, moving forward with the intention of love. The intention, yes. Mm -hmm. And then holding space for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, there's this, you know, kind of building up toward um, that feeling of contentment. And maybe it isn't pure bliss in all ways, but feeling content in as many ways as we can with who we are, with where we are, with the now. We do a lot of living in the past mm -hmm. and we do a lot of itching for the future. So true. And instead of that, maybe we just can feel this moment a little bit more. We can nourish ourselves appropriately in a lot of ways in, you know, uh, relationships and in, a, you know, an actual nourishment perspective, drinking a lot of water and eating whole foods. And we also can surround ourselves with people that fuel us and mm -hmm. encourage us and that treat our earth in a way that's compassionate, that treat others in a way that's compassionate and kind of making those choices that have nothing to do with being on your yoga mat. But then you sit on the mat in practice and you realize there really is a way that they all kind of fall into 
that physical practice too and we're there to support each other even when we're at a totally different level the first time somebody walks in the door and the 150th time somebody walks in the door and we can all walk in and share this space and have compassion for ourselves and compassion for others and share that sometimes it happens in the conversation on the way to your mat sometimes it happens in assisting others or answering a question and it's a student to student question sometimes it isn't always even just the student to teacher question it's building that community and what do we want that community to take out of elevate and bring into Sheboygan and beyond and the world right Mm -hmm. right and I love what you said because it is so much about like finding your breath Mm -hmm. finding your peace Mm -hmm. and just being okay in that present moment Mm -hmm. and not jumping to the past or the future but Mm -hmm. just finding contentment Mm -hmm. and again you know back to love but I think love is so uh, almost overused it is it's, but just finding your mm-hmm. own peace your own center right yeah right and I think that's that contentment piece where it can be love and it can be love in how you've defined it and it can be love in so many ways but because it's overused it means mm-hmm. something totally different to everybody, to everybody mm-hmm. that you know just the concept of contentment you had mentioned the mindfulness practice how do you practice mindfulness and how does that tie into what you're teaching in your classroom and even outside of your studio? So within the studio, um, I think it's, you know, being mindful of what kind of conversations we're having inside there and, you know, how often it stays supportive and positive and forward moving and not you know, backward looking or negative or, um, you know, we're looking to support whoever in whatever way, support the practice, support the community, support each other. And, um, but also, you know, from a mindfulness of what's the best thing from a whole elevate perspective, how do my decisions affect my staff, my vision, myself as a human, not business owner, not student, not teacher, me as a person, does right. it, you know, are my decisions, my choices feeling like ones that, that are true to who I am? So one of the strongest mindfulness components that I try to share in any of my meditative classes looking to find what feels the most true to you because it's really hard to make a bad decision when your heart, your gut, your mind can align. How do you get there? Mm -hmm. If you don't break away that tough outer shell and give ourselves an opportunity to listen. Yes. To others and to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time listening to others and rarely do we spend the right amount of time listening to ourselves. And sometimes that can be in just a five or six minute Shavasana at the end of class, or it can be those couple of minutes that you take to yourself before class starts that you don't have a book, a TV, a phone, or even a conversation. Sometimes it, you know, it comes through in a conversation, but when we can set some of those external driving factors off the mat 
and give ourselves this rectangle that we're going to stay within and let the things come to the surface. So that's I think my most encouraged mindful practice. Um, and in my personal life in outside of the studio, it's, you know, I think really a lot of the same and trying to make sure that my decisions are true to who I am is really the most mindful practice that I can continue just because that applies in every direction, every angle of your life, whether it's, you know, a big purchase or a relationship or um, how you spend your time. Are those sitting true to what feels right in that alignment of your mind and your heart and Mm -hmm. your gut. Mm -hmm. You and your class, when you're starting your class, what do you, I remember you said something. What do you say? Something about, let me, I'll be your guide. And then I want you to tell me, walk me through that again, because it was so beautiful. I um, say something different every time, (laughs) (laughs) but the premise is that, you know, as a yoga instructor, I, A, don't know everything, B, don't know your body like you know your body, and C, definitely don't know what you showed up for every day. So I am there to facilitate. My intention is to be there to give you offerings, to be a guide, but then you get to build it and you get to choose it. You always get to choose it. And I think that's something that in our current world of social media, people are a little intimidated, might I say terrified, of coming into a yoga studio if they haven't been before because of what social media has made yoga look like. And yoga can look like taking a blanket and sitting on your mat for the whole hour that you showed up. And I don't care because that's what you needed. So I'm going to guide you if you want to follow follow. If you're looking for me to use the education that I have to offer you a full vinyasa practice, I'm happy to do that. But if you need something other than what I'm offering you, I'm even more happy if you choose that. (laughs) I love that. Make it your own. I think you had Mm -hmm. said something that on the Friday's class, something about, you know, make this practice your own. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. And you're, cause you're willing to guide and teach and be there, but it's, but it's not mine. It's yeah. yours. Yeah. And it can't be mine. You know, your practice can't be mine. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And, um, I've had, you know, friends in the past who aren't really people who practice yoga. And when they hear, the repetition of the word practice, I think it sounds funny because that's not what people assume it to be. And it, you start to realize after doing it, that the reason it's called a practice is we will never know it all. We will never have figured it all out Mm -hmm. as a teacher or a student yoga or life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We're always practicing. We're going to continue to practice and it's going to evolve as we do as humans, where you're at in your life makes a huge difference in where you're at on your mat, which is also why I say at the beginning of a class, 
I don't know where you just came from. Did you get in a car accident over the weekend? And your range of motion is completely different. Your body is sore and you're here just to move slowly. Yours is going to look different than mine every single day. And you came from somewhere different than I came every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's you know a continued practice. And sometimes it means it's an amplified version. And sometimes it's a completely modified version. It can be lighter. It can be softer. It can be bigger. But it's always going to be evolving just as we are as people. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that a lot, just soft and soft and I was like oh again that one word just really stood out to me Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you when someone even I probably not just through yoga but through their Mm -hmm. mindfulness practice or through life in general just Mm -hmm. to soften you know I have uh, I have a hard time with the rigidity of really hard starting we'll start with the physical practice you know, watching somebody harden, force, push into a shape that doesn't even look comfortable for them. And on our mat, it is an opportunity to find that perfect little sweet spot in strengthening, learning, growing, Mm -hmm. but softening. Because we tend to find something to grip we're always looking for something to hold on to. And if you're reaching your fingers out really far, but you're squeezing your shoulders or your neck, you're losing the full benefit because now we've just drawn the tension somewhere else. Mm. So that soften piece can often be just your eyebrows, <laughs> your jaw, your shoulders, the places that society has kind of created a jaw-clenching day-to-day living that where's the opportunity we have to just let that go? And sometimes we just need the gentle reminder to do it. Yeah, because we don't even realize where we're carrying mm -hmm. it or where we're tight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and again, off the mat, the the never or the always kind of living is like soften that a little bit and having such a closed, hard, rigid edge to your thought process or to being open-minded or not to how things could look different than yours in life, in life Mm -hmm. that just that, just soften the edges a little bit and see how much easier it is to pass through these channels that we're constantly bumping into each other along the way and we're ebbing and flowing. But if everybody's got these rough corners and hard edges, then we lose the ability to work together. Connect. Yeah. 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 Yes, and I can see that so much on just life in general. It's just soften, be more accepting, be mm-hmm. more forgiving. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't have to be the same. Yeah. Exactly. One other thing I wanted to ask you about was it's setting an intention. Because mm-hmm. you offer that, too, in the beginning of class, and a lot of mm-hmm. yoga instructors do. What does that do for the yoga practice, just even just in that space of being on the mat? Mm-hmm. It's 
something that I play around with. I don't always offer it. And I used to offer it, you know, the same spot all the time, every class. And I've started to, if I feel it based on the energy in the room that, um, and I will tell you, it usually is kind of later afternoon classes that I, that it comes out because people have come from work and they haven't gotten out of it yet. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what's your intention? And I think it helps direct your, your mental focus, but also it just, all it does is make you answer the question. What is my intention? Um, maybe you don't have the answer, but it at least makes you think about it. And I think it can change every time you show up. And some days it might be stop talking and just get me moving. That's my intention. I just <laughs> want to move my body. I've been sitting for eight hours, mm -hmm. but you know, for other people, it might be, it might be growth. It might be clarity. They might be coming to work through something that they're working through and they needed to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. and Just even to turn off your brain for a mm -hmm. moment. Maybe you're worried about something or something mm -hmm. is really bombarding your, right. your ability to think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe it's, you know, looking for, you know, building community. Maybe it's, it's the one thing you've chosen to do in that week that's just for you mm. and not for your family or your work or, you know, caring for a loved one or supporting a friend through a tough time. Sometimes that intention is just, this was the space I chose for me. So when I offer it, really, I'm just looking for people to ask themselves that question. I like that. Sometimes, often for me, I feel like I'm just welcome to whatever shows up and I kind of close it with that as well where I'm not sure what my intention was but I'm open to whatever happens while I'm here and Even I think that can be a really good intention mm -hmm. as well if if setting an intention is intimidating or new to your practice that's also something that when you wake up first thing you in the morning you put your feet on the ground and you can also say something really similar mm -hmm. that I'm open to what happens today. Coming back to that, you know, softening the edges. Yes. Yeah. Cause even on my way here to meet with you, I was thinking, I didn't know how I, ne I never want to have a, um, like a set program for how these talks are going to go because they're such open flowing conversations. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I didn't want to set an intention, but I wanted like to be open. Yes. And for you and I both to have that, um, to be able to receive and to put through and to put a message out to people that they need to hear mm -hmm. and not what we needed to say, but yes. what needed to be heard. Yeah. So it's kind of like an intention, but not intentionally an intention. <laughs> You had mentioned earlier something about the eight limbs of yoga. Can you teach me? Because I don't even know what that is. Can you teach me a little bit about that? Yes. It's um, the entire practice of yoga. When we had talked earlier about you know, that yogic lifestyle. Yes. Um, it's really all of the, all of the pieces, uh, asana or the postures, the physical practice is just one of them. Okay. And the others are uh, the yamas and the niyamas. And those are your 
external disciplines, internal disciplines. So how do you treat others and how do you treat yourself? So this comes all back full circle to what you had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, pranayama is your breath. So the control of your breath, the focus of your breath. And of course, there's plenty of physical aspects to that. There's plenty of science to that. Um, but it's also our biggest tool of connecting our mind and our body. The breath happens when you're not thinking about it, but what can you do and how does it come into play when you are thinking about it and when you do bring a focus? And uh, pratyahara is the withdrawal of senses. So I would put um, like a... Uh, have you ever done those float chambers? Like float no, chamber? but I want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so almost like sensory deprivation. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, what shows up for you when you start to take away a sense or multiple senses? Um, and in my teacher training, one of the things we did just to kind of mimic that was putting a blindfold on to practice. And now we're not watching bodies. We can't even see our environment. Mm -hmm. So how much do you need to turn on the rest? You have to listen, you have to feel, you have to think, you know, it just fires different parts of the brain right. to make you work through how you practice. Mm -hmm. And the last three, dharana or your concentration, and dhyana, meditative absorption, um, those are really the, the concentrating nature of choosing to sit down and begin a meditation and then the meditative study. Okay. And finally, samadhi or the union of all of it, bringing it all together, all of those things show up back into that concept of contentment. All those things play together and bring us into this state of contentment uh, yoga is to yoke or a union of. And so it's really this concept of how all of these things show up in our lives, how they play together, and then how we end up in our most powerful state of true self, true contentment. And I didn't even realize that all of that was tied into yoga. I People talk about, you know, the mind-body-spirit connection, how healing and fulfilling yoga can be but i didn't realize that each one of those was actually a part of a full practice mm -hmm. if you want to call it like or a, a lifestyle sounds maybe like the wrong word but to encompass it, is, it yeah. into the way you live yeah and you know i think from a modern perspective like i kind of mentioned before modern yoga we've really honed in on the physical right and here yes especially in our western culture mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, thousands of years ago, the basis of yoga was a tiny little bit of movement so you could get the body warm and comfortable to get into these other pieces, to get into your breath work, to get into your meditation, and to build yourself up to that place of contentment. So we've just kind of shifted some of those things around a little bit and brought the focus heavy into the, into the physical. So it is... You know, what else is there to learn? Always, always, always something. That that practice can grow inside the studio, outside the studio. You know, there's, it's never ending. Mm -hmm. There's so much that I 
don't know that intrigues me. Um, so I think that's where it's fun to have an opportunity to educate people on outside of social media, what there is to the practice of yoga. And even outside of your classroom, probably, or, or within your classroom, mm -hmm. just bringing people in so that mm -hmm. they can get a little bit of a taste that this isn't all there is. There's more. Go explore. Go learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any major success stories? Or we had talked a little bit about breakthroughs of other people mm -hmm. that you can share with us that you're like, this is a reason to do it. Because I, I mean, think you probably started off much more serious or maybe not serious is the right word but you started off much more consistent with your practice and i keep telling you that i'm such a casual yoga person i love it mm -hmm. but i just i don't carve out the time yep. that i should to do it more consistently sure same with meditation and the other practices sure um but are, do you have any other stories that can inspire people to like be like oh my gosh i should really try that that sounds amazing well i think um outside of you know sharing some someone's, you know, big personal success story. I think one thing from an inspiration or an encouragement perspective is people always feel as though showing up for an hour long practice every day in our world is complicated. It's hard to find that amount of time. However, scheduling it is a lot easier. Looking at it on Sunday night before you go to bed and putting it into your calendar, just like you would a dentist appointment. But outside of that, reminding yourself of all these things that we just talked about, they can play a part in what you're doing to build a personal yoga practice. And if you're looking to build a home practice to do some things that felt good in a class at home for 15 minutes is still so beneficial. And it doesn't have to be that you're always showing up inside. When you choose a class, when you find an instructor that just hits the mark for you, when you find a time of day and a format of class that just hits the mark for you, keep coming back. Even if it's just once a week, that's great. Keep coming back. And you'll take things with you that you can then do. Watch a YouTube video on a sun salutation jump on a virtual class of ours, start to figure out how you can make it work at home. And then you feel encouraged to come back into the classroom again. You feel encouraged to show back up in the studio. I think looking for workshops or special events or trying out new formats, um, you just build up your confidence in kind of figuring out, you know, things that inspire you or intrigue you which is why our offerings are so wide. And, you know, we really do work toward hitting without breaking ourselves from doing what we're good at, welcoming in new concepts and working toward new facets and instructors and other voices and, you know, really taking advantage of workshop opportunities and special event opportunities. It's great for us, but it's really great for students too. It just brings another piece of the pie in to what you realize your interests are within the practice. Mm -hmm. So along those same lines, what advice or inspiration can you give to our listeners to encourage them to start their own yoga practice? And maybe even as you keep referring to how all of this ties into just living a more holistic, um, in-tuned, peaceful um, 
softened life. Mm-hmm. What kind of words can you offer for inspiration? Um, well, I feel like I just answered your questions backward from each other, but I'm going to go back to the one that you just asked me before in uh, you know, a success story. And I have some students that started coming to yoga when Elevate opened, emailed me before Elevate opened and had not ever done yoga before. And they wanted to, they were looking for something to do as a mother, daughter, grandma, you know, what are, what is something we can find to do together? And they started coming to the studio, having never done it in their lives, none of the three of them. And one of them is in the studio probably six times a week now. And she has told me on numerous occasions that it has completely changed her mindset, that it has helped her personally in so many areas of her life. And she was waiting for that moment to feel the craving to come back. And she said, just one day, one day it just hit that she was like, oh, I just can't wait to get back and I can't get enough. And, you know, she comes to multiple formats and she comes multiple times a week. She rarely misses. And that all happened for her in just reaching out and starting to show up. It was, you know, she said she wanted, they wanted private lessons because they had not been to a studio before. And now she comes, you know, three mornings a week consistently. And it has changed her life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, so, you know, what is the motivation to start a practice if you don't have one? And, you know, find a studio that feels comfortable to you. When you walk in, there's a comfort there. You know, find a studio that offers a beginner's program. Most classes, most instructors will give you opportunities no matter what, they will offer a variation for a new student. But just from a pace of class, it really is nice to to go through a beginner series or call, email, reach out on social media and ask them. You know, there's a lot of things that the intention is never for it to feel like you couldn't start a practice any day, any time. And we, I say we as Elevate or as studio owners are so happy to work with people. We'll find a way to get you in, to get you comfortable in the setting. Sometimes just walking into a new place is intimidating and you don't know where the water is or the bathroom is or what's the orientation of the room and happy to just show you. And, you know, so kind of peeling back some of the layers of barrier that scare you away and um, also maybe stop googling yoga poses (laughs) (laughs) because you know there's really there's a uh but do maybe google formats and you know types of classes that what are the best types of classes for beginners and you know depending on the studio that you're looking to attend it should be on the website there should be a good description of you know where do i start and that's a question that so many people have that, of course, we want that addressed in all areas. 
of our marketing, um, but also in just the word of the teachers and students. So we've had some really incredible success stories with our beginners program, we call it Fundamentals. And our Yoga Fundamentals program has brought in a lot of students that have never stepped foot inside inside a yoga studio before and now have monthly unlimited memberships. Do you offer the Fundamentals class online? We don't have it online, um, but maybe that's an idea. Just for people um, yeah. to get them to feel comfortable to come into your studio. Right. Mm-hmm. To, um, to begin a practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our fundamentals, um, we do have one. We have one twice a year. We do a January, and then we usually do again a September. And uh, it's a six-week series that just is like, let's really talk about the basics. And what can you expect when you walk in the door? And how can we get you comfortable what are modifications what are things that you know terminology that maybe feels intimidating and you know how do we get past some of those things that hinder you from showing up mm-hmm. how did you come up with the name of elevate mm. i still have the notebook paper that I just kept writing stuff down that would, even if I thought it sucked, I wrote it down anyway. <laughs> it's kind of like my list of baby names. Yeah, right? <laughs> throw them all out there, Put throw them, them on the wall, there. and then cross it's, them all off. <laughs> exactly. Because it was going, I knew that by doing that, it was going to inspire the next thing. Yes. I was going to find what I needed. And I was playing around with a lot of things. Like, I wanted, I wanted to have something that felt like, how do we rise? And I had this envision of, or I was envisioning like a mountain range or the feeling of being near the mountains, in the mountains, where you feel like there is something so much bigger. There is something, there's so much more still. How do we get that feeling out of the name of the studio? You know, when you're there, you're like, ah, oh, that. look at that beauty and feel the feeling of just lift the opportunity in the day. Potential. Yes, mm-hmm. the potential and the really just that, like, how do I feel that there is something bigger? Yeah. And so I just kept writing. I just kept, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just scribble something down. And I was like, I know that's not the one, but I'm going to write it down anyway. Mm-hmm. And... One morning, I just was like, elevate, elevate. And I didn't even have to think about it anymore. And I have all the other ones on the list. I had asked like 19 people, <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think of this? And of looking for that validation and elevate, I didn't, I didn't even need it. It's almost it like just, it was given to you. Yes. Not yes. that you came up with it on yes. your own. Mm-hmm. Well, it is beautiful. And I understand the connotation behind it. And that is fantastic. Almost like the majesticness of it and the finding something more and the mm-hmm. ability to, mm-hmm. a potential to mm-hmm. have and to seek and to get more. But mm-hmm. not in just a huge, like aggressive manner, mm-hmm. but in just a growth, the yep. personal self-growth journey mm-hmm. manner. Exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. And it's worked so well for supporting our mission and our vision of you know, where do we fit as a community-based yoga studio? Because the amount of times that we say intentionally and unintentionally things like elevate each other, elevate one another, elevate our community, how does that, you know, just shows up. Um, We had a 
guest instructor here for the weekend doing a workshop and she used elevate in her queuing so often and she's not from here and she probably didn't even and she didn't notice until i said erin you use elevate so often and elevate your left leg or elevate your arms overhead and finally by the end of the weekend she said jackie i really do use elevate in my and it just it just fits so nicely and you know it's a word that i think it's a word it's a feeling that people can associate with yes um yeah that's a great way to put mm-hmm. it i love it that was almost unintentional and it was unintentional mm-hmm. on her part mm-hmm. for our listeners mm-hmm. how can they find you online and connect with you Give us your website and uh, maybe the best way to find your classes online. Yes, absolutely. Our website is www.elevateyogallc.com. And it has our events listed. It has our schedule listed. It has a description of the classes listed. And it has all of our social media and contact information. So it is the best one-stop shop. But of course, on um, Facebook, we're Elevate Yoga LLC. On Instagram, we're Elevate Yoga LLC. Um, not super active on LinkedIn, but we're on LinkedIn as well. If that's your preferred choice for, you know, keeping up with what's going on in the community, you know, phone number and email all available on all of those locations. If you're ever looking to reach out, but it's it's all to me. So you'll get me in one of those one of those neighborhoods and i'll put links to all of that in the show notes too Perfect. so that people can find it easily and find your website and your your social media pages excellent our booking system we use is mind body online and so if you have the mind body online app from you know using it in other studios other cities then you can find us there as well it has class descriptions teacher bios and the schedule purchasing opportunities there so that's Perfect. another mm-hmm. Another place to find us. Your voice is beautiful. And I love it because it kind of ties into how you, your practices and your, your studio and just everything about you that encompasses the way you live yoga. Thank you so much. And yes, I just wanted to point that out because it's such a beautiful, graceful voice in the way you speak. Well, so thank, thank you. you. Can you tell me a little bit about how you incorporate um, yoga with your holistic way that you live and kind of how, again, that all ties into the mind, body, spirit connection. Mm -hmm. Of course. I, first of all, don't have it all right. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Good. Yes. (laughs) None of us do, but (laughs) I am far from having that all figured out, but I am always intrigued in being a student and always looking for learning opportunities. And sometimes that's within my diet. Sometimes that's within, you know, that those next layers of self-care, not just the, you know, the Epsom salt bath or the face mask, but how do you talk to yourself and how do you let others, you know, how do you treat you and how do you let others treat you? Um, how do you set the precedent for that? And, you know, working through just personal growth and how do I want to support a community from a business perspective and from a financial perspective, but from a supportive perspective and what role do I want to play within 
our Sheboygan community because that is, you know, I wanted to be a community-based yoga studio. And how do I continue to support the students and the things that they do and that they love that make them whole? Because when they have the opportunity to do that and they feel supported by us, it's significantly easier to continue to show up for themselves. And I really try to embody showing up for me because that just encourages people to do the same thing for themselves. So a giant work in process, always a work in process. I think that's um, true of all of us. Mm, you know, and, and even from a physical perspective, from a business owner perspective, from continuing to reach out to resources and not thinking that I've got it figured out, you know, how, just like I said earlier in talking about that supportive group of people in, in opening Elevate, but, you know, also how do we continue? And I've got some really great groups of women business owners that get together and, you know, people I trust and people that support me and I support them in, you know, how do we do this? Just, you know, what kind of community do we want to build? But, you know, going back to all of those pieces of the eight limbs, even, how do you treat yourself? How do you treat others? How do we apply that outside of the walls of Elevate? And how do I apply that outside? You know, how do I practice what I preach outside of the walls of my business, my home? You know, what do I see when I look at the sea of students in front of me? And, you know, how do we share with each other? Basically, how do I learn from them and continue to let them learn from me? And I see so much of the, that softening again, just even in that of how you live holistically and forgiveness of yourself and just, you know, acceptance and mm-hmm. just that it's okay. Everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And even the, the acceptance in the concept of, I don't have it all figured out right? and I won't do. have it all figured <laughs> out. So mm-hmm. and I think that's, you know, one of those other really big pieces of it is reminding ourselves mm-hmm. that we don't and we won't. And all of that is okay. Yes. And it is all okay. Jackie, thank you so much for this today, this conversation and the sharing of your heart and your, your love of what you do and how you're doing it. I really appreciate this this time with you and just being able to share all of this with our listeners. This has been a beautiful conversation. Well, thanks for having me. It feels really good to be able to continue to share it in ways other than, you know, within the walls of Elevate. Hopefully this encourages somebody to take the leap. And begin their Mm -hmm. own yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Yes, I hope it does. This is Conversations to Inspire with your host, Teresa Moore. Join us next week as we explore a different facet of the mind-body-spirit connection. Help promote the show by subscribing and following this podcast and leave a five-star review so we can continue to get incredible guests as we dive further into the mind-body-spirit connection.